So here we are now in November, halfway through our Kickstarter campaign. And we've raised, I think at this point, 50 grand. Uh -huh. And our goal, 70 grand. Yeah. And we had met this backup factory, but their okay. minimums were 5,000 units instead of 2,000 units. So yeah. the cost to even start the conversation with this factory is about 150 grand. Holy crap, okay. Um, so tooling deposit plus a six-figure production run. Yeah. And we have to come up with a deposit and we're midway through a campaign. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in like a hotel room in San Luis Obispo on the phone with Wit, and I'm like having a panic attack. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, should we, should we cancel the campaign? Should we end the campaign or should we do it? Like, yeah, can, you get, wanted, can you get 10 grand people's money from your yeah, parents? Yeah, yeah, can I get, yeah, for I get sure. from my parents? Can I fork over another you know, 20 grand or something like that? <laughs> and uh, we ended up doing it. Got it together. And uh, we still have that line of credit. We're still paying off that debt. <laughs> but that being said, uh, this factory crazy. was way more dialed. Um, obviously, the quality is perfect. We're still improving the quality. Um, we're, we're always going to strive for perfection. Yeah. But uh, the product they gave us right off the bat was awesome. Yeah, and it was significantly better. Like night and day, night and day difference. I think we we sort of feeling confident. Uh huh. Like these guys were just on a different level. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast, where we capture lifestyles and share stories of inspiring people that bring motivation, knowledge, and entertainment to our community. Life is good. Let's get started. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm your host, Rick Scotch, on the Scotch Parlor podcast. Today, I have Whit Gautreau and Nick Barsoni, who are the founders of High Camp Flass. I want to thank you for your time and your story today, gentlemen. Truly appreciate that. But before I pass it on to you guys, for your introduction, let me give everyone a little more background on you and your business. High Camp Flask designs drinking products for your favorite spirits for you to enjoy after a day of outdoor adventures. Their recent product called the Firelight Flask is a sleek, polished stainless steel flask with two 11-ounce tumblers that are secured magnetically. The flask is temperature-controlled and looks beautiful for your bar top, yet ruggedly built for the rough and tumble of the outdoors. I actually came across High Camp through Instagram. Their product instantly stood out to me. It just looked Really, it just looked badass, and the message behind it just connected. I'm super pumped to have you guys to share your story, and I will pass it on to you guys for your introductions and whoever wants to go first. All right, awesome, Rick. Thanks for having us, man. Absolutely. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so I'm Wit, uh, co-founder here uh, with Nick of High Cam Flas. Um, I'm somewhat new to the Bay Area, new in terms of uh, my adult life. I moved here about four years ago. Um, met Nick in the first six months or so of living here and uh, came quick friends and, and did a lot of surfing and biking and things like that together and then uh, decided to, to start a business together. So cool. yeah, I right. moved here from Montana and uh, yeah, been enjoying the Bay Area ever since. Sweet, sweet, sweet. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I'm Nick. I'm a Bay Area local and met Wit through some uh, mutual friends that enjoyed the outdoors. So I knew he'd be a guy that I'd probably enjoy just based on how we met. <laughs> All right, um, cool. And uh, yeah, I found out he was an engineer and uh all right. these crazy product ideas yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know in, in silicon valley everybody you know has all these ideas they can throw at you but uh there's certain people that just do things and wit was able to make an idea come to life and so we instantly just kind of partnered up and sweet you know with this dream to create the ultimate craft drinking experience for the outdoors awesome awesome yeah. awesome awesome well as far as uh, to go back to you what uh Montana. What was life growing up in Montana? It was, it was the best, man. Yeah, it's good. I, I think about it all the time. Um, you know, it's uh, 
it's obviously it's an outdoor mecca uh you're in the mountains i grew up in in northwest montana so uh about as close to canada and idaho as you can possibly get um without being in either uh small town small logging town um and my parents are both transplants to montana and they moved there because they love the outdoors uh and so growing up they had me you know skiing skiing as soon as i could walk and packing me up to lakes you know backpacking and so yeah i I got kind of instilled in me early a love for the outdoors and sweet yeah i uh it's it's stuck with me ever since sweet 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 and then just like kind of around the childhood because you have the engineering background yeah was there a entrepreneurial type of mindset or was it more like i just want to design a product because i know there's a there's the the inventor and yeah. then there's the business guy like as far as that yeah one. yeah i think something? i've always loved i've always loved creating things uh-huh. um i think you know starting early on you know i think i was as soon as i got my license my dad you know you got to get a real job and so there's only so much you can do in a small rural montana town and so uh, i started building houses and i think that uh, showed me early on that I, I enjoyed creating things and seeing things built from the ground up. And so that's kind of what led me to engineering. As far as entrepreneurial goes, I think I've always, I've always loved the idea of, of working for myself. I've always loved the idea of not working for someone else. Yeah. And yeah, so I've, I've, and I've always been drawn to people who have done that for themselves, similar to yourself, you know, with this podcast, mm-hmm. I've, I've always liked to listen to stories of people who started their own thing and how they ended up down that road and that, that precarious, you know, road that it is. So, yeah, yeah. Right. that, that every day, every day is different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a certain, certain type of person. And I guess I must fall into that category of, uh-huh. of uh, yeah, masochist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Entrepreneurial <laughs> way. So for sure. Yeah. Hey, what about you, Nick? As far as I mean, you grew up in the Bay Area. Like as far as your childhood is, uh, did you uh, was there childhood memories of growing up where you're like, oh, I, you know, I was selling candy when I was in fifth grade, or what? Is there anything like that specifically? Yeah, kinda. Um, well, the outdoors. Back to that. We went. Mm-hmm. To, I don't know if you're familiar with Camp Mather. But uh, a bunch of San, it's a San Francisco City camp. I went to Camp Mather for okay. one week every year, okay, and got the love for the outdoors there. But I'd never been on a hike before until like college, okay, okay. And then, uh, yeah, I had no, I, I, I didn't like the idea of working for somebody else. I always had kind of odd jobs. I always worked through college. I liked mm-hmm. restaurants, okay, okay, and service, and gotcha. I always appreciated quality people doing things the right way. Uh huh. And I've always carried that mindset. Like the managers have had it every step of the way. I've always really appreciated the lessons they've taught me. Uh huh. And coming from like a you know spoiled little kid in the Bay Area suburbs <laughs> to uh, you know working you know relatively you know service yeah. level jobs and retail Absolutely. and yeah but but really appreciating it and seeing people that do it right and you uh-huh. know, carrying that through um, yeah I don't know how this idea st- started with uh, with starting a business yeah. I was studying to become a teacher okay okay um, I had I I really didn't want to work in business. All right. um, but I did love the outdoors and I, I did apply to a bunch of jobs at like big um, companies like Nike and Adidas back in the day out of college. But I had a finance background okay, okay. or economics background. Uh-huh. And I just didn't really quite fit in like the consumer world. Gotcha. And then okay. when I realized I hated the finance and, you know, I guess uh, wealth advisory, or- wealth services, oh, gotcha. okay. tax advisory yes. firm. <laughs> um, yeah, it worked for... WTS wealth wealth and tax advisory firm. Yeah, okay, and, okay, okay. Um, that for a year, and I started working for Lou Lemon. 
and uh, got into retail and just, they actually had a really good managerial program um, to train you and teach you about retail. Uh-huh. And I felt like that was a big kind of eye-opener into career opportunities within retail. Sometimes people, sometimes people see it as, you know, kind of this this place where it's just a service, a, a job that's laborious, working the holidays, working weekends. Uh-huh. But there's a massive career path that people don't really see. And I just, it, it opened up a world to me that I didn't know existed. Interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. So then... So you you went and moved to San Francisco. You met Nick about six months. You is it about six months. Yeah, about six months. Six in months. Or so, yeah. You guys. Um, when did we we'll start talking about the, the product? <laughs> the word all, like word when the high camp flats. Like when did like as far as was it your guys' first business idea concept or did you guys go through different ideas of what you guys wanted to do or how did it happen? <laughs> I, I, I think that it's it definitely started as far as our collaboration on a business together. It definitely started with, you know, I met Nick. We both became fast friends. Nick also was working on uh, this concept that he had uh, to, to create barware for the outdoors. And more specifically, he had this, this flask in mind. And he can definitely lend a lot more information on how he came to that idea and then you know yeah we we were surfing and biking and hanging out and i figured i could lend a hand and then it kind of evolved into a a partnership that we you know embarked on together but the the origin story is is very much nick's story of how he came to to think that this was something that could be you know useful so. yeah so so what's that how did it come about with you nick the idea yeah. <laughs> so i uh, sit at a campfire uh, all right. um yeah with my brothers i was it was it was october late mid-october we were at desolation wilderness i'm at wright's lake me and my two brothers had a campsite first night at the at the campfire i pulled out a nice bottle of uh, lagavulin and I, you know, pulled out the glass bottle, um, pulled out my my favorite uh, scotch glass, which is a little mini mason jar okay. that I used to drink out of at home. And I sat through the campfire and I poured myself a drink and I passed it to my brother. Then he went in his backpack. He pulled out his own mason jar. He had seen me do it on previous trips, but I always packed out my favorite uh. bar glass with me <laughs> to drink around the campfire. So uh-huh. I wasn't drinking coffee. I did the same thing. I drank my liquor out. Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, my little brother across the fire is like, do you have one for me? And I was like, No. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to drink scotch. I don't want to drink my coffee out of. Uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. "Eh," You know? Um, And I, and I started thinking, I looked at the cup, I turned it upside down on the bottle and I thought you can make this more packable. You can make it look cool. And uh, the whole thing was this thing had to really look cool. Yeah. If it was going to work, we had, and I had this idea that the tumbler should look like the six shooter of a revolver. I wanted to, to create a, you know, a pairing, if you will, Um, you know, uh, the proper bar glass for the drink that you drink outside. Uh-huh. And so for me, the most quintessential campfire spirit was whiskey. Uh-huh. And what look what goes with whiskey, the frontier, and the six-shooter revolver was a glass aesthetic, a barware aesthetic that would look really cool. And so I started shopping that idea some de- to some design firms. I already had the idea of, you know, there'd be one on the top, on the bottom, be symmetrical cylinder. Uh-huh. That would be as beautiful indoors and outdoors. And... Uh, yeah, from there I had gotten some renderings back, and then when I met Wit, um, Wit made it look real, and okay. he made it look. He he somehow saw it was in my head and made it. Wow. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I was getting really frustrated and jaded, like 
trying to find different people who could sketch the, people skills that I don't have. Yeah. And, and, it's so, like, and I'm sure it gets expensive too, as far as the, the design, just even the basic sample yeah. of something. Yeah. Like, getting a prototype was a pain. Yeah. The, just, just getting the, the sketches and like just having to lean on other people. I could have spent all my time, you know, building those skills myself, but I believe in specialization. Okay. And when I met Wit, it was really obvious that uh, both of us together could you know, do something pretty cool uh-huh. as far as making an idea come to life. Like for me, that was just this, uh, you know, that's, that's really our business is we can make an idea come to life now. Like, yeah, we're, we're selling barware right now, but he and I together can do other cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what, so then what, um, how, when did you come up with, well, when did the idea come about? Like as far as going back to, this is probably, it was October, 2015, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I met Wit in July, 2016. That was yeah. Heather and Warren's yeah, engagement sounds, party. Sounds like you ever been at a, a fellow uh, like mutual friends engagement party. Okay. Um, up in Clear Lake here in California, and we, uh, yeah, I I had I had like less than three friends in the Bay Area yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. and was looking hard to make friends who could go you know surfing and biking and do do the stuff that I like to do. Yeah. Ah, cool. So then, okay, so the, you guys have the design. Well, you have the design down. What was the process as far as like um, actually getting it into a prototype? I mean, uh, and I would that was probably more on your side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely collaborative, but uh, uh, it was a it was a big effort. So you know, it started with you know Nick had some renderings that he'd already had done and some some design that he'd already had done, but you know, it something that's challenging too with hiring a design firm to do things for you is uh, as Nick was running into is like. You know, you can describe to them what you want and you might get them to a point where they can aesthetically give you what you'd like, but mechanically, like they may not deliver on, you know, well, yeah, this is what it's going to look like, but how can we actually produce it? Um, And so that's, there's, there's the design, the aesthetic design, and then there's the, how can we actually make, you know, thousands of these and and keep reproducing them? And, And there's a lot of layers of complexity to going from a sketch on a piece of paper to an actual product. Um, so, you know, it started with me just drawing stuff up. And I think before we'd ever had anything physical, even, uh, somebody had some, one of, one of Nick's colleagues had recommended that we head out to, uh, Chicago for the home and houseware convention. And they, you know, if you're going to make this thing out of stainless steel, that's where you need to go find a, uh, a factory to make uh-huh. it. And so we definitely did, Nick did, Nick did some research trying to find someone here in the U S uh, to, to make this product for us. And it just doesn't exist. Um, it's a vacuum insulated bottle and they just, no one does vacuum insulated hmm. stainless steel in the United States. Uh, so uh, China's where most of that, that happens. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Chicago, tried to find the, you know, a, a factory to work with, um, that's where we found our first factory. All right. One of three. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, I think all at that point, we just had some sketches and it actually looked a little bit, quite a bit different actually than this, this flask right here. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I remember flying back from Chicago and that's, I was on that flight, however long that was. And that's when I designed like com- completely redid like this, this design and like the, the floating lid and the, the decanter look to it. Um, and before I think it, it maybe wasn't quite, it wasn't this, it wasn't quite what we were, you know, I think if we had that now, it would still be a, a good product, but I think this, this, 
lends itself more to like the indoor barware aesthetics uh-huh. um, that we that we were hoping to create. And so, yeah, yeah, the design product. I mean, we came back from there. We started 3D printing. I bought a 3D printer. We started 3D printing stuff. And then, you know, there's a whole process of, you know, we went through multiple manufacturers before we ever got to this. And so um, we had a, are you going to talk about that? Yeah, so the first manufacturer yeah. fell yeah. through at what? the Home and Houseware show. Yeah. You know, you, you have this design. You show them the design. They say, yeah, we can make that. Perfect. Non-disclosure, whatever the hell a non-disclosure means when you're dealing with factors <laughs> in China. It's just, you know, we met these guys face to face. Like, yeah. you know, seemed like a good guy, Team Harry. Right, yeah. Still reaches out to us. Yeah, good no, guy. They were, they were great. Um, just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah, they just they just didn't want it. Also, who are, who are we? We are two guys with nothing, Okay. Uh, theoretically. Uh-huh. Um, and so we have to do custom tooling. When you're trying to build something that's new and doesn't exist, you have to build custom tooling. And that costs a lot of money. Okay. Um, it's an upfront cost. And, and you mean custom tooling for the, the factory it's to have to... for them. It's for, an investment so the, to, on their gotcha, end because they're expecting to, multiple production to make that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So they're not going to invest their time and effort into creating custom tooling for somebody if they're not sure... How many years they're going to produce in the long Exactly. Gotcha. So okay. who are we? We're nobody. Okay. If Yeti comes in with a new idea, absolutely. Yeah. yeah we'll yeah, make yeah, custom yeah. tooling for you. You're <laughs> buy a million of these things. Yeah. So Nick and Wit, you know, with no business name yet, um, had... Uh, had this idea and they didn't want to do custom tooling for us after you know the handshake agreement theoretically that they're going to make this product oh we have to use this cap we're like well that doesn't work like this cap doesn't work we have to use you know this you know what what else would they have to mandate this size neck like yeah, the neck width it, was crazy to to, to manufacture uh, we couldn't have this lip we couldn't have this lid we couldn't have you know this attachment mechanism we couldn't use magnets you know yeah, it became a, a product that, that it we wasn't our want. product <laughs> yeah. and so wow. yeah, okay. you, so um then our next factory yeah we'd had uh we'd had a connection to another factory or another uh, rather a liaison who connected us to another factory and I th- i'd say the first factory was more of a waste of time okay uh than it was money gotcha you know we you know we wasted you, time trying to gotcha. work with them and it turned out that they weren't you know capable of doing what we needed to be done yeah and i think certainly in something we still run into today uh manufacturing and i don't know if this is just specific to chinese culture or manufacturing over there but there's they're they're very amicable and that they they'll tell you yes 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 when they probably should be saying no um and so you'll More find timeline out, oriented you'll find gotcha. yeah you'll find out later okay. that like you know oh no they no we actually can't do that and so um you ask questions up front can you do this can you do this yes 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 and then down the road you start to learn that well it actually was should have been a no they couldn't do this or that so yeah so our second factory we ended up working with uh and and that ended up unfortunately being a waste of all time and money um so we got pretty far along with them and that yeah so at this point so then what's the time span now from the first factory to the i think it was probably nine months okay but in the in the intermediate we had to we had to run our kickstarter okay okay prototype so that was where if you watch our first kickstarter video Uh, have you seen it i might have i don't not to put you on the spot no 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 no, 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 because i did see i know right I did see the Kickstarter campaign, nice. but I'm not sure if I saw a video yet. Yeah, so uh, the first Kickstarter was filmed with the 25-pound solid, rock-solid stainless steel, stainless steel piece of metal. Okay. Um, and that was way <laughs> yeah. cheaper than doing it in the U.S. We got it made in China. What was it, 700 bucks? 
Yeah, it was like seven or eight hundred dollars, and it was it was the cheapest way for us to get that made because we talked. You know, the the custom tooling is required to create yeah. the actual product, and the custom tooling is you know tens of thousands of dollars. And to create the prototype was seven or eight hundred. So we're like, all right, well, we'll just we'll just create this stainless steel prototype. And so it was, and then hope, fingers crossed, we can actually make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then so we had a we had a CNC'd, um, which is a a process where you you just took a chunk of stainless steel and you cut away pieces of it using a, a machine essentially to get you know something that looked like our flask. Okay, and we're like, all right, great. And so it's 25 pounds. It's it looks it looks great. It looks looks nice. Yeah. But it's 25 pounds and it's not functional. <laughs> oh um, and and so it. we had to we you use that to to shoot our first Kickstarter. Which it's funny you see any if you watch the Kickstarter. I don't know if it's noticeable or not, but like you're trying to look natural, pouring out of something that's 25 pounds. 25 pounds in salt. <laughs> there's no liquid yeah. in it. Oh yeah. my lord. And so you're looking you're looking pumps trying to pour you know, there's no, no liquid <laughs> like, in it. And <laughs> it was yeah. So it's uh it was a you know it was a it was a push and a stretch for sure. And then you know at that point though we we were able to run a Kickstarter and and raise some money. But it was during that Kickstarter that we realized that the second factory wasn't going to be able to produce what we needed either. Oh, we, wow. So this was this was one of the worst days of my life. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. So we had, we'd been to China. We visited our factory. Very nice people. Like uh-huh. can't say enough about like the culture there and like yeah, yeah, how yeah. you're treated. Yeah. But they just didn't have the machinery needed to make the quality product we were looking for. And we were very concerned when we were there. They were way behind what we expected. We were supposed to be, you know, this was in August of 2017 now. Okay, okay. So we started running our Kickstarter in this November, uh, no, October of 2017. So August 2017, we're at the factory making sure everything's going okay. Yeah. The product's supposed to be done in June, uh-huh. but it's not done yet. Yeah, so we're, we're back there and they're so far behind, it's, it's, a, it's a joke. Huh. Um, and Wit's sitting there like trying to redesign everything. They said, no, we can't do this, we can't do this. Like, And the product just looks absolutely terrible. And the person we're working with keeps insisting, no, it's fine. This is just sample quality. Like, this is just... You know, this is a process. process. Yeah. And we've been dealing with this now for about almost a year. About a year we've been dealing with. Yeah. It started in January and we're out there in August. Eight months. But yeah. And uh, but after a significant. Okay. So we launched the Kickstarter without having production beginning. Okay. And so we just put like a a window saying we're going to deliver in, I forget what time we said we were going to deliver. But we missed that date. The following. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Whatever date it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, so we're sitting there. I think it was like, I think it might have been like our birthdays. Your our was, birthdays yeah, are four days was, apart. Yeah, we I were, was in San Luis Obispo. We had gotten the, the samples from the factory. Uh-huh. And I opened it and I almost cried. Oh, <laughs> like, man. You, it was like squeezing the side of it. It was like squeezing a bottle of Seven Up. It was like so soft and yeah. like terrible, oh. and like nothing looked even halfway. Deep. We have it still. We have it, and we'll bring it to like we'll bring it around. Yeah, to show just people yeah, yeah just how embarrassing it was. But the the silver lining was well. So we had to say goodbye to all the money we spent on the tooling, which was you know tens twenty twenty thousand dollars about. Um, yeah. It was my own personal money, my own personal <laughs> Holy fortune. Cr- okay, yeah, wow. so here we are. Significant investment. So here we are now in November, halfway through our Kickstarter campaign. We've raised, I think, at this point, fifty grand, uh-huh. yeah, we're doing and really our goal well. seventy grand. Yeah, and we had met this backup factory, 
but their okay. minimums were 5,000 units instead of 2,000 units. So yeah. the cost to even start the conversation with this factory is about 150 grand. Holy crap. Okay. Um, so tooling deposit plus a six-figure production run. Yeah. And we have to come up with a deposit. And we're midway through a campaign. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in like a hotel room in San Luis Obispo on the phone with Wit. And I'm like having a panic attack. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, should we, should we cancel the campaign? Should we end the campaign or should we do it? Like, yeah, can, you get, wanted, can you get 10 grand take people's money from your yeah, parents? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. My parents, I fork over another you know, 20 grand or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we ended up doing it. Got it together. And uh, we still have that line of credit. We're still paying off that debt. <laughs> but that being said, this factory was way more dialed. Um, obviously, the quality is perfect. We're still improving the quality. Um, we're, we're always going to strive for perfection. Yeah. But uh, the product they gave us right off the bat was awesome. Yeah, and it was significantly better. Like night and day, night and day difference. I think we've, we we sort of feeling confident. Uh huh. Like these guys were just on a different level of professional and and. Uh, yeah, they 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 had a track record, and we yeah we we felt we felt much more uh, we felt like we were in, in better hands uh, for sure. So, but we did we did run this campaign all the way through. We managed to meet our goal, and we we sold you know I guess it was close to you know six hundred of these up front to, to Kickstarter and seven eighty four. Yeah, seven okay seven eighty four. Yeah, yeah, those numbers down. And the, and the, and the campaign <laughs> running a running a crowdfunding campaign is like awesome and just the worst thing ever yeah well. i'm sure it's intense oh. as far as making i mean you're on your own deadlines too yeah. that you created <laughs> yeah yeah it's like well we didn't know what the hell we were doing so yeah. we we're like all right well we want the most time possible yeah. so we set it for 60 days which is the max and it's a long time to be trying to raise, raise oh money. yeah gotcha okay um, and so we, we we managed to eke it out and, and get the money and uh you know we we weren't able to deliver on uh, the the timeline that we'd promised, but overall, you know, considering our, we had to find a new factory halfway through, and and it, it all turned out really great, and and so now that we've got that built in customer and, and Kickstarter, we're really grateful. They're like, you know, having having that a couple of those under our belt now um, awesome. is a pretty useful tool to to have, and they're good good they're great customers. They're the kind of people who will buy a product before it's even real, you know, yeah, they, they yeah, see a video yeah, yeah. and they go, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll give you that money up front. And it's just it's a special kind of person who's willing to like take that risk for sure. And then there are also people who are, you know, that core customer that, that are willing to a put their money in up front and be like, they'll, they'll give you feedback and let you know what, what else they like and what they'd like to see and things like that. So it's, uh, it's 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 tough. It's tough to run a uh, Kickstarter campaign, but it's okay. incredibly okay. useful once you've been successful doing it. I think so. Yeah, cool, we'll continue cool, cool. to do it moving forward too. For sure. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, where, uh, where did the name come from then? So I was on a sales meeting uh-huh. um, up in the Alpine Lakes Wilderness. Um, okay. So my background after leaving retail. I started uh, repping for outdoor brands. Okay. So that's where my life on the road started. Okay. And that was when I was walking in and out of doors, um, selling people new brands. I was selling shoes. I worked for Adidas uh, Outdoor. Okay. Um, and 510, a bunch of other uh, outdoor brands. Okay. Okay. And I constantly walk in and pitching, you know, brands in very competitive marketplaces. Uh-huh. Like fighting for shoe shelves on the wall. But anyways, this one brand I was on a sales meeting with was up in the Alpine Lakes Wilderness, up in... Uh, Seattle. It was a backcountry ski resort uh, called the Scottish Lakes High Camp. Okay. And it was this off the grid resort, kerosene lamps, wood fired hot tubs, and um, 
we had like, a, you know, we had this project flask, you know, in quotes, even as we like were working on our oh, prototype. And uh, I kept on thinking about this high camp and I ran it by Wit. I was like, hey, what do you think about high camp? And uh, Wit loved it. Yeah. And we thought about it for a while and um, decided to uh, move forward with that name. And then since then, we've actually added flasks to the end of High Camp. So okay. High Camp flasks. Uh -huh. um, we learned that our number one search referral term was flasks. So we've kind of changed that, our brand yeah. to that. And we want to keep a very narrow focus brand. Okay. Uh, okay. Drinking in the outdoors. Okay. And there are other categories we'll expand into, but it will all support the the drinking outside the, business. Okay. Um, well, that that was going to be my next question. So what what is next for High Camp Flask then? Like, uh, if you, I don't know if you want to... Start talking about that. A <laughs> um, couple things. So in the in the fall holiday, we'll have some new finishes. Okay. So rose gold, oh, um, right. gunmetal, and then tumbler two packs. Okay. So we realize there's not a bunch of there's not a lot of stainless steel um, barware, uh -huh. and this has quickly become my favorite bar glass indoors. Not just because I made it, <laughs> or made it. Um, it's because. It's freaking awesome. Like yeah, the, you it have the grooves on it. Cold. Like, yeah. yeah. It keeps yeah, keeps a, drinks cold. It, it's fun to twirl in your hand with the grooves in it. Yeah. Um so we wanna we wanna create a lower entry level price point for it too. Okay. So get people into the brand without having to buy the vacuum insulated uh, stainless steel gotcha. okay. you know, flask. Uh and every piece in this is very expensive. Like we're not making any margin on this product. Okay. The only margin we'll make on this product is direct consumer. All of our wholesale business is pretty much breaking even. Gotcha. And we still get the feedback. To it, it's expensive, but we're really trying to pass along uh, value to the customer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, the Tumblr 2-pack will be a way for us to get a new price point uh, into the brand and also you know, show people the quality of our tumblers um, who might not necessarily buy our flask. We'll hope that they'll buy our tumblers and then next time we release a product, yeah. uh, they'll realize, oh, this is good quality stuff. Maybe I have a use for that product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, working on obviously all sorts of different uh, barware for the outdoors, but that's going to be our niche. We're going to stay bar. Okay, cool. That's, um, love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah pl playing around with that. And then, uh, you know, we both like to, we both like to drink and we both like to play games when we drink and uh -huh. so uh that's something that we, we we were playing around with as well is creating like fun you know fun accessories for while you drink outdoors yeah. so um we've got some fun stuff coming down the road with that um nick and i both love love a game of dice um so exploring some ideas on a, a fun way to transport you know your dice sack outdoors and things like that. So that's we're, cool. that's, that's some, somewhat the direction we're going. Um, top secret. We can't, yeah, we can't yeah, talk yeah, yeah, yeah. We're from the vet, you play liar's dice. Oh man, you're going to love this thing. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the general direction we're going, but yeah, we're going to, one of the, I think the main things that, Nick and I always take into consideration when we're like designing products is indoor aesthetics, outdoor utility. And so, uh, this, we, we want to create things for the outdoors. That's for sure. Um, but we all spend a lot of money on outdoor gear. It's, it's like, it's an ex how, what's the industry, Nick? It's huge. It's bigger than the auto industry. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So oh. recreation travel. Yeah. It is camping. A um rving all that stuff yeah yes huh. it's massive it's huge okay, I mean, yeah and we all we all love to spend money on it yeah um and unfortunately a lot of that gear is used 
maybe once once a month if you're lucky yeah um a lot of us you know maybe only a few times a year and then it lives in a big plastic container in your closet and so we want to create you know gear that that still serves a purpose when you're not outdoors so um that'll always be integral to like our designs is is something that's gonna serve a purpose indoors and out so that's cool um, all right yeah, you'll you'll see that commonality in, in anything we, we bring out so that's awesome yeah. see that's cool i mean you guys are ba- you guys are basically are creating the experience of outdoors i mean you guys are um you buy the, the fire and bring yeah. out the dice yeah. with your yeah. tumbler and your flat i mean that's, that's awesome yeah so that's cool that's that's a huge opportunity it's, i think that's awesome that's awesome love it we think so yeah the yeah. other thing that's sneaky that i want uh-huh. people to, to get is like i want this to live on your bar top Okay. So when you look at your bar cart, you look at your booze, you'll see our flask, be like, let's just take this drink outside. Uh, That's like my ultimate goal. Like, all I right. want yeah, people yeah, yeah. to drink outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you have the option of going to a bar, paying 14 bucks for a cocktail, yeah. or mixing your own, and then going to Golden Gate Park, or Ocean Beach, or Baker Beach, and drinking a cocktail there, like that there would be go. like... That would make me happy. There, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So as entrepreneurs, what do you wish you had known before starting out in the sense of, I mean, obviously you guys learned the whole factory aspect of it, but, but being that you've worked in, and we'll start with Nick, like you started in, you've been in sales, you know, sales. So what's something in biz, this business, starting this business, you're like, whoa, okay. I didn't know I was supposed yeah, to. The, the sense know. of ownership, the sleepless nights, the stress, the things that wake you up. It's like, it's like a baby. Like mm-hmm. you can't stop thinking about it, caring about it. Cause you're the only one that's really responsible for it at the end of the day. For sure. Okay. Um, so I, I work with people and like my bread and butter is sales. I have to, you know, do sales to pay my rent. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Yeah. This uh, is a whole nother level. Uh, any hiccup, any sort of anything that can affect our business tariffs like i'm up at night it affects my future i have so much money invested and so much time invested and so much of my relationships invested people supporting me in this venture that i just had no idea it would be like working for yourself you think oh you know there's no boss for me but the reality is like it's a whole different level of not stress but responsibility yeah like this is your this is your baby yeah the only way you have to take care of it, nurture it, and otherwise it's just going to die. All right. Yeah. No, so. I totally, that's totally. Right, what about you? <laughs> I, 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 that's good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, if I would want to know all that in advance or not, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'd rather be a teacher and just have summers off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, right? like, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. No, I mean, that's, I very much agree with that. Yeah. I, I think that that's uh something maybe that you don't you certainly you don't realize until you're you're in it that that it is uh at a different level of responsibility and it while it sounds nice to not have a boss it's also like you know having someone tell you exactly what you need to do when you want to do it is like you know takes a huge chunk of responsibility off your plate and so not having that there is it's very much um you and you have to continue to motivate yourself and and um you know that's a whole nother you know aspect of just you know if you're thinking about getting into you know being an entrepreneur starting your own business um make sure you really want to do it and you really want to you know you love you love what you're trying to do um because otherwise uh it's a pretty it could be a you know it's it's a it's a tough experience otherwise and so yeah those those like sleepless nights and those issues that come in like you have to be able to really truly believe in what you're doing 
um, and wanting to create something because otherwise uh, it's it's going to be hard to push through some of those those challenges that come up. So all right, yeah, I would agree with that. All right, well said. Yeah. Now, as far as um, just being just having your your fingers on your business, what do you in the in the industry? What do you guys do in, in your guys' roles to kind of just make sure you're on top of it as far as what's happening in the industry? Um, because you guys obviously have the idea aspect. But in order to keep on top of, you know, I don't want to say comp- you're obviously going to have competitors in that sense. But but how do you always stay on top of that as far as being different and, and doing your own thing? What you just said right there, doing our own thing, being different. Mm-hmm. Um, our angle cannot be replicated by the people that are currently in the stainless steel vacuum insulated industry in the sense that um, they're too ingrained in other distribution areas. We're focused on one area, alcohol. Other people that are doing stainless steel are uh, gearing towards coffee and water and juice mm-hmm. and all sorts of, you know, soup. Um, mm-hmm. We're saying keep your soup, keep your coffee. Uh, <laughs> we'll focus on booze. Okay. And for us, it's really important because there's a lot of we, – we learned this year uh, in this – I guess we've only had product for about six months, nine months now mm-hmm. that we're a whiskey brand. We're, we're a cocktail and spirits brand. And, yeah, we can we can, you know – have people tell us that this is great for coffee and other stuff you should why don't you market to coffee but we want to just be a true brand to something that doesn't really exist yet so for us that's also what's going to be most fun for us Uh so when you know i I have a lot of business ideas Uh nothing seemed fun worth committing a decade of my life to Uh like drinking outside Uh and so it's always good to check back on that too and say like oh you know maybe we could go here but do i really want to do that during the day, like, do I really want to think about that? Or do I just want to focus on what I love, which is being outside with my friends, drinking around a campfire, uh-huh. which is still what we're striving for. Like, mm-hmm. I think for us, that's like the the mecca is like yeah. when we can be outside, <laughs> you know, taking, you know, big distillery, you know, brass out to a campfire and being like, hey, what's the best drink for this cock? You know, what's the best cocktail for this setting? And creating something from scratch and like having this whole like, you know, brand power behind us, like that would be, that would be the ultimate. And so that's what I think I strive for at least, um, which is just to be this brand that's doing something different, that's focusing on this one thing and making it great. Do you want anything add to anything on that? That was was pretty well said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Nick's, Nick's always good too about pushing us to like try and be different. Um, and and to speak to you know focusing on on alcohol and that's kind of what sets us apart um is yeah staying true to like that brand nature and not not getting distracted by like the other potential opportunities that seem like you know we we could do a oh let's make this really cool coffee thing or this or that because it, it is being done and a lot of people are doing doing that and they're doing it better than us yeah and it's like man, we're not that's that's hard as a small small company as a small brand to like if you have the option of buying high camp whatever that you've never heard of or you've got this you know we can't compete with uh you know another brand that's got a multi-million dollar marketing yeah. budget like we're just we're not going do you to guys do you just stage. ignore that or do you identify it or just in maybe by what you're what you just said too is like you stick to your niche and you stick to your focus and that kind of because you obviously need to take that in and because that was that's always one thing like when you look at like i mean instagram for instance you you look at the brand you're like oh okay I, i could do it this way and then but then it's like no but that's not my way 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely like, we're, we're always paying attention for sure. Okay. We're always paying attention. Um, and I think, I think it's one, one challenge is obviously to have your finger on the pulse of what, what these other brands are doing, um, and what, what could be considered competition. And then the the other challenge is not falling into the like trap that it's yeah. like, Hey, we can do that too. <laughs> uh-huh. Because as, as we said, like it, we, we, maybe we could, but given our size and what we're doing right now, like there's there, we don't have the budget, the recognition the you know, the key, key tools to being successful, trying to do what some of these other people are doing. And, and frankly, like at the end of the day, as, as we talk about, you know, that motivation to keep going, like, this is what we wanted. This is what we set out to do and this. And so veering away from that to try and chase, uh, you know, a different channel that, that isn't even maybe something where our interests lie, um, kind of seems like it could, could end, you know, it could be a futile, uh, pursuit. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. Though. That's good that you, you identify that though. Yeah. So, and we're talking about inspiration and everything. Let's talk about your personal inspiration. So that kind of my creative is Woodward. Why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. So if you, each one of you guys want to like, what is your inspiration of why you're doing this as, as an entrepreneur, not so much about the business itself. Why do you, what's the reason for you to go be stressed out like crazy with those factories and, <laughs> Honestly, just one day to be able to have a streamlined process where if I want to make something brings an idea to life, like we can do it and we'll have a team there. Like I, I really am looking forward to the time. So Whit and I both have other jobs that we do to pay mm-hmm. our rent. Like we, we another another of us has taken a cent from high camp. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of money and time in. So we're in a, in a sense when we can pay our rent with something that we created, like that's going to be a whole nother level of satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, San and we have a team of, of friends and people that like, we trust that are getting ideas and have this fun, like just, I, I envision this scenario where you have this cool little office, maybe an office one day, right? With that would be an office. office. <laughs> yeah. um, we'd have an office one day and we got people that are happy to come into work and just create something from nothing. And uh, I don't know that, that would be very satisfying to me. And my, my I, I never aspired to, you know, be like this, entrepreneur it mm-hmm. was more like i want to buy a house in the bay area i have to <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to make some money somehow and it's hard to do it with uh hourly wages it's yeah, hard to do absolutely. it um you know doing any sort of i don't want to work in tech like i, yeah. I don't want to look at a computer all day yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know what that's it i don't want to look at a computer all day. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. Not, my, not my style the outdoor industry is still very person to person Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was been telling you my travels. Yeah. I really enjoy the people I meet and people I travel with. Yeah. Uh, and that's really fun for me. Like when I was out in Flagstaff in Sedona, my buddy Brian Tinder is a he's a, a a runner out there, and I stayed with him. And you know, I was mountain biking in Sedona and Flagstaff, and then doing my appointments on the side. And cool. All yeah, right. Yeah. Like that's that's freaking rad. Traveling different breweries. Like. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that's going to be really fun someday. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, that's that's true. Cool. Yeah, I, well, I think too. I think uh, I uh, Nick's the same way. I know he is, but uh, the monotony that can come with certain certain jobs and career paths where you can wake up and do the same thing every day, and I don't know that that would ever happen as an entrepreneur. I think you you have to thrive on the fact that like you wake up and. You've got this shit storm and that one, yeah. and there's there's always you know, especially early on, you're never doing just one job. I mean, yeah. 
you know, you're handling customer service and then you're, you know, you know, the, you, you wake up in the morning, you're answering emails, you're in the afternoon, you're, you're maybe doing some design work or Nick's making sales calls or, you know, just, just trying to keep up. And then, Oh, and now right when everyone else is getting off of work, you know, Oh, China's waking up and it's time to hop on the phone with those guys, you know? And so there's no monotony to it. And I think that's something that, um, both, both of us enjoy with being entrepreneurs, but yeah, I, you know, the ultimate goal is, is definitely, I've always been interested in what does it take to take an idea off a of paper and create it? And there's, you know, I think one of the big things I've learned is, you know, I had envisioned steps one, two, three, four, five, and it's actually steps one through a hundred or more, but I've, I've always been somebody who really enjoys learning new things. And this forces you to learn new things. You, you know, okay, Hey, great. We, we figured out how to make something All right now. How the hell do we sell it? You know, and then there's so many aspects to selling and, and, you know, and the marketing and the, the wholesale distribution and all of that. And it's just, uh, you, you're never not learning something new and that's enjoyable too. So it kind of plays into the, there's, there's no monotony to it. And all right. Yeah. So I that's think, uh, the ultimate goal is to be able to understand those steps one through whatever, uh, to bring a product to life and, and a meaningful product that you believe in and then do it again and again. So yeah, looking forward like Nick is to a time where we've got that, you know, I got a, we've got a few of those under our belt and now we've also got, you know, a, a team to help us do it um, and, and the experience to, you know, oversee it. So. Oh, so you don't have to do one out of every, you don't have to do all hundred steps. You yeah, can just do it. Tell me briefly what you do for high camp. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> briefly, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, I, I was one of my questions too. Is like, what's your typical day like? Um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, there's no typical day. Typical day. <laughs> yeah, right. So that, that's like a joke. That would be the joke. If I had right? a typical day, it would be like a big ruse. Well, like, okay, cool. Well, so yeah. then the the, the opposite <laughs> of um, say you guys uh, day off. I'm not saying that you guys get a day off, but. What do you do on your day off um, when just to kind of unwind? Because you do need it every once in a while. I'm not saying, you know, you're doing it every for, once a week. but for sure. What do we do on Saturday with? Saturday. Yeah, so, so Saturday we took a day off. Crush. So we still, still talked talk work. Still talk <laughs> yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, works never. Yeah. So always kind of never really working. We, yeah, we, we loaded up Nick's, uh, Nick's Subaru at about 8 a.m. In, in San Francisco. Uh, it was him and I in. His buddies or our buddy Steve and uh, drove out to Annadel. I don't know if you know, uh, out, up in Santa Rosa. It's okay. a state park, right? Okay. And uh, they're known for just exceptional mountain biking. And so Nick just picked up a new bike recently. So he's been he's been putting on the miles. And so we went up there and that was, you know, got an early start and got out on the trails and did about 20 miles. Wow. And had a nice morning. And then when it started to heat up, we went and grabbed some beers and some lunch and you know, that was perfect day. That's <laughs> that's a good exactly. day. There you yeah. go. If that's we an awesome day. In some surfing at the end of that, I'd say that would that would Done. be a, the perfect day. But yeah, we, you know, it's Nick's good about this, and and I try to be. But you know, we both got into this because we enjoy the outdoors, and so when you get into the grind of like living living on your laptop and staring at that screen all the time, I mean, there's I'd say one of the hardest parts about doing this is 
there's never not something that you need to do. There's always a hundred things that you need to do or, mm -hmm. or more. And so the list never ends. And I think I'm starting and I'm a, maybe I'm a slow learner, but I'm starting to learn that like, I'll never get them all checked off. And so sometimes you just need to put them on your list for the next day and then set them aside and go, go get, get outside, do something. Uh -huh. And so we were, Nick's good about reminding me to, you know, we got to get outside and he's, 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 uh, he's kind of always the catalyst to like, you know, if, if, if he doesn't interrupt, you know, I, I'll just, I'll keep going. Um, and Nick's good about, <laughs> you know, Hey, let's plan this trip or let's, you know, I'm also good at getting up at 5 a.m. and just yeah, he also, getting the crap knocked he, out. He's also an early, early rise. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, our, yeah. So that's, that's something that, you know, when, when we do get that free time, we do try and go out so outside and try and remind ourselves of, you know, where the whole inspiration came from. Well, so. Is that, how do you guys stay motivated? I mean, is that one of a form of state of motivation for you guys? I'm, I'm more productive when I'm happy. Okay. Okay. And so I, I realized that pretty early on, uh -huh. like I can knock out eight hours of work in six hours if I'm happy, you know? Cool. All so, right. uh, <laughs> for me, it's an easy trade off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a way more enthusiastic to pick the phone, call accounts, uh, respond to emails. My tone's better, more productive, get better results. Yeah. Like it, it, it seeps through every conversation you have. If you're happy, if you're not happy, uh -huh. people want to talk to happy people for uh, sure. In sales for sure. So, uh, for me, I just know that it's a benefit to my business, uh, being happy. All right. And All so right. it's pretty easy to, uh, to make the, make the trade off. All right. All right. Favorite cocktail. <laughs> we might have the same one, man. <laughs> well, you've discovered some new ones recently. My new one that I'm drinking, I'll, I'll, I'll go something kind of off the beaten path. So I, I just I just learned about this. Uh, have you been to Nopa, the restaurant? Oh, man, you got to go. D Diviz. Okay, okay. It's on okay. Diviz in, what is it, Fulton? It's not new. It's a hip restaurant in SF that isn't like way overpriced. Okay, okay. And their cocktail list was phenomenal. And I tried this drink called The Summit. And it was terroir gin from St. George, grapefruit. Um honey lime okay so grapefruit it was like it's like a what do you call it paloma okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. With gin instead uh -huh. so i started recreating it at my house but i started making it more of a session cocktail okay so i do gin grapefruit maple syrup because it, it uh, dilutes better in drinks the honey kind of hardens if, in a cold drink okay maple syrup kind of stirs right in and then soda water and so i make a, a sort of like you know paloma that's light cool. oh, wow, session that drink good. and it's unbelievable the the gin from saint george is a very floral element versus juniper okay um and with the grapefruit and the hunt of the maple syrup and the soda water it just drinks like it's 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 great you can throw some orange bitters in there too all right we'll have that yeah. i'll take that <laughs> um and and i i love i love like a good scotch too so mm. you know i'll, I'll I'm, I'm weird with my scotch I'll drink you know I love the pedia scotch you can find. So you give me a good eye like a, a, a you know, Laphroaig or something like that. And I, I'll drink it and eat. And yeah, that's, there's a few things I enjoy more than a, a Laphroaig neat, you know, or just sits yeah. in your mouth for hours afterwards. And anybody yeah. sitting within 20 feet knows you're drinking it. Too, you just <laughs> get smell it is pugnant, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, for all the cocktails we push on our Instagram, we're both like, Every drink, except for that grapefruit drink I just described, we like booze mixed with booze. Okay. Or straight okay. booze. That's All right. Straight, so yeah, booze yeah. on booze on booze. booze, on booze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, booze, I thought it was cool. Forward. On your newsletter, you guys do your newsletter, yeah. right? You guys are pushing. I mean, you guys have the recipes on there too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 cool. that's, really that's kind cool of a concept. fun, like, 
So our push is to add value to people that follow us on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think more than anything, like if you're learning something, we're adding value to why you follow us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's been a big focus. For yeah, that. whether or not you own a flask or not, like you, you'd you probably enjoy following us and in, in our contribution to, to the the instagram sphere and yeah it's it's check us out but it's like a it's a fun blend of like booze and booze in the outdoors and yeah that's, yeah. A, that's awesome yeah and it's it's kind of a new you know i think nick and i we were very we very much like we knew we knew this was great for whiskey and things like that and um it's been fun exploring the cocktail realm as well with the product and you know something nick always points out is just this growing craft industry of sure. of craft beer and craft mm-hmm. spirits and craft cocktails and it's i don't want to say trendy because i don't think it's a i don't think it's a trend as much i think it's something it's a truth of, it's, it's a, a truth. truth yeah people are enjoying it's a better it's, way to to drink these these things we drink you know we all drink crappy beer for a long time and now yeah. we've got people who are making craft beer that's just exceptional yeah. man and it's it's uh you know, we, we, we hope that our, our product and our brand plays into that, that craft, you know, wave of, of making things better. So cool. 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 So just kind of close it out. I have those two deep questions. Oh yeah. Uh, So we can start off Nick first. How do you want to define your legacy as of right now? As of right now, is this is if you drop dead tomorrow? Is yeah, that, I'd yeah. Say, I'd say what always made, saying in your eulogy. I'd say okay. he tried to make make create time to create quality time with friends and family. So I think I think quality time is more important than just time. Like you know, getting outside to me is quality time, and right. sharing a drink outside is you know gets those other conversations flowing. And yeah, it, it all flows in the same thing. And uh, yeah, de- I'm gonna flip it further because like this means a lot to me. Is like. I want to I want to see my lifetime the end of plastic like one time use plastic. So we we want to make a product that didn't have any plastic and that's that's really important to me. Man, that's good. I think uh my legacy as of now, I'm somebody who's I I want to create, I want to build things. Um I think that's something that I've always done and would love to at the end of my days be known for. And then just like uh, you know, being 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 a good person, being good to people, um, mm-hmm. treating people right. That's definitely, you know, that's something that uh, has always been important to me. Uh, and and I think that's just some, the way I was raised. And, and so, you know, taking this this career path and still maintaining like that, that mantra along the way. And, and so, yeah. All right. That, that plays in, but. That's per- no, that's yeah. perfect. All right, cool. W- Wits in a rush. He's got. <laughs> He's got five minutes to get somewhere. You run into the street, he'll give you 15 minutes of his time. For conversation. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, for better or worse. No, you, you do. You live that for sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the, the next one is um, you're going to finish the sentence. But instead of uh, you finishing your own sentence about yourself, we're going to switch it up. So we're going to go with you first, Wit. All right. So finish the sentence. Nick, <laughs> Nick is? Man, uh, determined. Like relentlessly determined. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be where we're at right now if it wasn't for Nick's determination. He's, he won't, he won't let things go. He'll like, he, he keeps pounding that nail until it's set. So yeah, very, very determined. And, and I, I, I value him for that for sure. Sweet. sweet as a business sweet. partner and as a friend. So. All right. Now, Nick, wit is. He's meticulous and he will, never sacrifice 
quality for anything. He always wants to make sure everything is perfect for better or for worse. For better or worse, yeah. Yeah. I mean, high camp wouldn't be what it is without both of us. <laughs> but like wits, you know, unrelenting, like focus on detail. Like it's it's pretty unbelievable. Like just any little thing that could could go wrong, like wit thinks of it and makes sure that it won't go wrong. That's awesome. So that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, this was freaking <laughs> awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, so what we'll do, like, just for, like, uh, social media handles, website, um, put that, say that information as far as uh, your website is highcampflasks.com, correct? That's right. Yep. yep. And Instagram's then, the same, High Camp Flasks, uh, Facebook, High Camp Flasks. High Camp Flasks. Sure. Uh, you'll, you'll, yeah, you find us. Uh, I think we've got a Twitter. I don't think you're going to find much there, though, yet. The other thing is if someone wants to buy your product, they can buy it online, correct? Yeah, yeah. High, and, you can find us at highcampflasks.com. Um, buy from us, any of our retailers. Either way, we, yeah, yeah. Cool. We we'll, do, we'll do a promo code Scotch Parlor for, what, 15% off? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Cool. Do, yeah. Scotch we'll, Parlor. We'll, when this goes live, Scotch Parlor, all lowercase, no spaces, will be a promo code for 15% off. All right. Well, there you go. All right, <laughs> yeah. gentlemen. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. I, the, it was the whole warehouse, like the, between the, the manufacturer stories, like, oh my God, you guys, that would, that would have, yeah, I mean, it would have drove me up the wall. I mean, that's crazy. It's nuts, <laughs> and, yeah. and that is something you guys overcame. So that's the life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. No doubt. <laughs> but thank you so much for, for doing this. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us, Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you.